everyone and welcome back into whisper in the wings from stage whisper we have a great new show to bring to you today joining us we have the producer director composer and book writer kevin davis whose new show one in a million musical is having a fundraiser on friday june 23rd from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the El Barrio Art Space. That's at 215 East 99th Street between 2nd and 3rd Avenue. To RSVP for this event, just email Kevin at one in a million musical three, and that's the number three at gmail.com. This is going to be a fabulous episode. The show is amazing. And we can't wait to share one in a million musical with you. And I think the perfect person to do that is our guest. So let's go ahead and welcome on Kevin Davis. Kevin, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, this is great. <laughs> this is going to be a blast. I can't wait. I want to know everything and anything about this show. It sounds wonderful. So why don't we start off by having you tell us a bit about what one in a million musical is about well it's when a group of wacky church friends decide to pool their money to play lotto and they win which destroys their friendship until a young girl teaches them the real meaning of friendship or when good friends gamble what could go wrong it's the show it really explores the show is an allegory what it explores is what happens to a family, a society, a cultures, and a nation when people can no longer agree on anything. And it's really, it's hilarious, but it's really taken from today's headlines to use a off-use cliche. So it's a, it's a funny show, great music, but it really has a very important point that really has universal appeal especially to where our country is going today. I love that. And what a fantastic story to be told. That's amazing. So how did you come up with the idea for the show? Well, I came up with the idea of the show. I looked, I looked at institutions and I looked at what was happening to some of our bedrock institutions in America. For example, one of the bedrock institutions would be, would be the church. And I looked at how there was no unity with the different denominations, preaching different things. I looked at how it seemed to me that a Christian nationalism was actually re replacing Christianity. I looked at society and how the truth was being replaced by conspiracy theories and how people could no longer agree on anything. How everyone had gone into a bubble and even things we should all be able to agree on, we can't agree on. So I decided to say, well, what would happen if we took a situation that people understood like uh, playing the lotto because everybody plays lotto and show, show, show you what happens when, oh, how things fall apart when you can't agree on anything. And I said, so let me use that as the, as the backstory or, or way of telling the story of where America is today and the consequences of what will happen if we continue on this, on this course. Mm. I love that. I just wanted to add that we, we do that with you know, great humor, 
it's a screwball type comedy. We do it with great music, great dancing. So we want to get people laughing and enjoying the music. And then all of a sudden, at some point, they recognize, uh-oh, they're talking about me. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of how the show was conceived. So it really is a show for everyone. We don't want to unduly disparage, let's say, a people who have, who have legitimate faith, who really kind of understand um, uh, the teachings, let's say, of, of Jesus. But we do want to kind of kind of poke the bear, so to speak, at how, at how that type of pure faith has been sort of hijacked. Yeah. And I love that you're using the screwball comedy element of it because it forces us to put our guard down and yes. we're going to be a lot more susceptible to receive the message. Yes. All that more. So I love that. Now, the, the fundraiser for one in a million musical that's upcoming. It, it's for a new production, I'm assuming, of this. This is not the first time the show's been put on. I'm no, it's not. What has it been like developing the show from the beginning all the way through now? It has been a wonderful journey developing this show because as I, as I looked around, again, the country, I was able to add more current elements in the show each time we've done it. This will be our, our third time, or actually our fourth time around doing it. The last time we did the show, we, we, we were able to get people like Tony Award winning producer Ken Davenport, two-time Tony Award producer Ken da Davenport came down to see the show. And I asked him, you know, what he thought of it. And he told me this was a, a great show. And I said, Ken, will you, will you give me a quotable? Because here's the thing about theater people, and we all know this, we hate to criticize each other. You know, when we ask, <laughs> did you love that show? And we go, oh, yes, that was the most wonderful show. So knowing that, I said, I put him on the spot. I said, Ken, will you give me a quotable? And he gave me a quotable, something that I can use. And what he said was, he said it was a thrill, um, 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 quote unquote, he said it was a thrill to finally see Kevin Davis's a terrific show. Kudos to Kevin and his his great company or his entire cast, something that that effect. So he gave me a quotable I could use. So I know that he was really genuine when he said he really loved the show. So we have developed it in a, in a way that we're really incorporating a story that is really Americana, that is for everyone. Whether you are a churchgoer or not, per se, there's something in this show that you will, you, that will resonate with you. Because basically, it's just a group of friends, basically, who cannot get along. And it's a very extremely diverse cast. And this is something that was very intentional on my part. Let me tell you, now I'll get on my soapbox just a little bit. <laughs> I am sick and tired of phony, what I call phony diversity. What is phony diversity? Well, we got one brown-skinned person in the chorus back here. So now the show is a diverse show. No, it's not a diverse show. How many people do you have on the production team? How many shows that are, are culturally relevant to, to people of color, let's say? So I deliberately structured the cast where the two leads are two Hispanic females. They could have been anything, but I don't see many Hispanics on, on stage. So I, wa I wanted to see two Hispanic women as leads and that informed then some of the music, let's say. Because we had more of a, a Latin feel to some of the some of the music, 
we were able to incorporate more kind of a Latin style of dance in some of the, some of the big splashy dance numbers that, that we do. We have black people, white people, Indians. So it's kind of the, the Church of Kevin Davis, quote unquote, includes everybody. And it's really an allegory of what? America, because America includes, is supposed to include everybody. That was, that, that's, the, that's the real genius of America, that we were designed to be an inclusive society. And when people are now questioning that, you know, that's when, you know, Kevin Davis starts to fight, fight back. And I fight back through, through comedy. But the point, the point is made, just, you know, a picture is worth a thousand, thousand words, as they say. And more things are caught than taught. Hmm. And when you go into a, a, a theater and you see a, a diverse production team, you see a truly diverse cast in a wonderful production, well, that is really kind of setting the tone. And I'm glad to say I'm no longer on the vanguard of that. There are a lot of people now who are doing that. And I'm happy about that. But I want to be with those folks. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I want to talk a little bit about this fundraiser coming up on Friday the 23rd. Now, we, the fundraiser that's happening at the El Barrio Art Space, can you tell us about that and what, what, what's the reason behind it? What are you trying to, how much are you trying to raise? What's it for? And all, all kind of that. What we did was we decided to make a documentary film. I'm not a filmmaker. I'm a theater person. But we decided to make a documentary film about the making of this amazing show. And we looked at it from the perspective of the production team because the production team is diverse. That's real diversity. So they get, we get a chance to tell our story, a bit of our personal story and how we work together to put this show together. As you know, theater is not cheap. And although we've had a couple of really small limited runs of the show, in order to go forward, we really kind of need to just go for broken and, and, get a half million dollars raised, let's say, to do a, a real kind of extensive show. Because what happens, people come to the show and they love it. But then a week later, the show is gone. So when they tell their friends about it or, they, or I get phone calls, hey, when can I come see the show? I heard about it. I'm like, well, you know, we only had a two week run <laughs> and the show, is, the show is gone. So, so this time around, I'm really, I'm trusting God as a person of faith, I'm trusting God to show me how to raise a half a million dollars. And I don't look at any fundraiser as being a small amount or any donation amount as being small. I just have to get to the half a million dollars, it's simple. So the fundraiser, we're showing the documentary film that we did. We actually won a laurel in a film festival for the, for the film. So it's technically a celebrated <laughs> documentary film. Although I, I am not a filmmaker. I give people that caveat and I tell them the, the, the musical is much better than the documentary. <laughs> you got to come see the musical. <laughs> but we're going to have a couple of surprises. We actually have a cast member coming in to sing one of the songs from the show. We have a musical number. I'm also a musician and I'm a jazz musician that loves all kinds of music. So I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to play a number and it's going to just go, have a good time, serve some refreshments. And then, you know, we're going to pass the collection plate. We're warning you now. But it's really, it's, it's really to have a good time. It's free. Come and learn about what we're doing. And whatever we raise on that, on that venue is great. We'll just add it into the, put it into the pot. 
and keep on raising money until we get to half a million and then we'll do the show again. It's amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, hopefully you'll hit all of it one night and we'll get the show up on its feet so we can all see the production and yes. carry it even further. Yes. <laughs> I'm wondering what is the message or thought you're hoping the audience will take away when they see one in a million? First and foremost in theater, I want them always to be entertained. You've got to entertain. This is, this, this is the medium of theater. I want them to walk away with knowing they've heard some great music, which people always tell me. People are asking me, when, where's, when's the album coming out? I want them to walk away really feeling good, really laughing, really, because laughter is a good medicine for, for what the, the ills of society. But I want them to understand that America's at the crossroads and we have to make a choice. Are we going to stay together as a nation or are we really going to fall apart? Because if we replace, if we replace faith with Christian nationalism, if we replace truth with conspiracy theories, then I think it's going to be calamitous in terms of what the United States will become as, as a country. And so that's kind of what I want people to walk away from. And by having it all kind of crunched into this group of, of friends, so to speak, and see how what happens with them, people will understand what will happen to our country mm. if we continue on this course. That's why I say it's, there, you know, there, there are great shows and then there are great shows that are important. This, in my mind, is a great show that, that is important because it really is dealing with what, where we are as a nation right now and i'm hoping that with a little bit of humor well actually a lot of humor people will will be able to see themselves and take take it home and start to think about hey what are we really doing here what are we really doing what have we become what are we becoming are we going to be a nation of of immigrants where everybody really has an opportunity or is that just the lip service or are we more comfortable giving lip service to that, that idea? What kind of nation do we, do we want to be? Are we going to be a nation where we teach, where, 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 where everyone has their story told? Are we going to be a nation where true history is going to be, continue to be taught? Or are we going to be a nation where now history, well, how you teach history is based on who is uncomfortable with, with what, is, what, what is taught? That is so, so good. And wrapping up the first part of this interview and building on that, who do you hope have access to the show? We have been very intentional about our demographics, who we, who we invite. We wanted to invite everybody because we thought it was a show that everyone could enjoy. So we reached out to the church community here locally. We reached out to the theater community. We, we reached out to the musical theater community. So we had a real, we've had a real diverse population of people who have come to the show. And I'm happy to say that for the most part, they really like it. And for the most part, they get it. I even had one person say to me, he loved the show, but he didn't understand why I had to put this political element in the show. And I said to myself, that's great. He has to think about it. <laughs> I said, that's great. He's thinking about it. And it, it gave me a chance to explain to him, well, the whole show is allegory, actually, 
the whole show is actually about about what's happening with America now. So we don't we don't give it away early on. You know, we don't give it away. but late later in the show, you know, we kind of like give it away with this is that this is you know, the big reveal, so, so to speak, for those who haven't figured out yet what we're, what we're really talking about. It's, it's really a show for everybody. We really want it to be a show for everybody. shift lanes now and give our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit better. And I want to start by asking you what inspires you, what playwrights or composers or shows have inspired you or are some of your favorites? Well, let's see. I could, I could also talk about music all day and all night. I mean, music composition is my sweet spot. Music performance is my sweet spot. So, you know, I grew up as a real nerdy kid kind of watching old movies so I love the old film composers like uh, Eric von Korngold, like Max Steiner, those great old Warner Brothers film noir movies of the 40s. But more recently, of course, I love people like Duke Ellington. I love people like Chico O'Farrell. I love people like Bobby Sanabria, who they don't get, they don't get the recognition. Well, Duke Ellington gets recognition, but people like Chico O'Farrell and Bobby Sanabria, who are great composers, if you listen to their music, uh, don't get the recognition they deserve. So composers of, of that, you know, Gwyneth Bernstein, Bernstein. So, you know, the, the, you know, all the suspects, you know, all the great uh, composers and some that people don't think about it as being great composers, but a lot of the great composers borrowed extensively from these other, other composers, so to speak. In terms of, of playwrights, oh my goodness. Again, so many great ones, so many great ones. Well, I guess if look at contemporary, it would be Lin-Manuel Miranda. I love the fact how he has really been at the forefront and been one of the leading voices in, in true diversity and, and, and telling authentic stories like In the Heights, for example, which was a, a beautifully told story about Hispanic culture, basically, and kind of what, what it's like to be Hispanic, you know, in, in an urban, urban environment. You know, it's August Wilson, for example, who tells stories that, that about me, that, but again, they're about me, but they're really about America. So writers like that, to me, go to the forefront because they are courageous enough to stick to their guns and tell the stories that other people just won't tell or couldn't tell. Wonderful list there. Wonderful, wonderful list. Have you seen any great theater lately you might be able to recommend to our listeners? Here's the funny thing. I go to a lot of theater and I go to a lot of readings. I actually saw a reading that was better than a lot of the theater that I've seen. So I wanna blow this up. The show was called, Tell Me a Story, Poppy. Tell Me a Story, Poppy. It was a reading and it was so well done. And basically it chronicles kind of the life of, of an Hispanic family from the 1950s to the present. And it's a, a diverse family, it's an inclusive family, and when I say that, there, 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 are, there are straight characters, there are gay characters, there are all kinds of different characters in, in, in the show and how they interact and the, and the struggles that, that they had to all go through. So 
it was just a great, great reading. And I'm hoping that show gets to get some buzz and, and, and money's raised. Again, it's, it's, yeah, that's the name of it. Tell me a story, Poppy. And in terms of shows that I've seen recently, I, I, am, I am a big Wicked fan. I'm, to, I love, that is, I think that is pure genius. To, just to have thought of what happened before The Wizard of Oz. And to craft that story, it's, 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 to me, it's kind of, it's Shakespearean, really, in terms of the drama between these two. You know, and we, as a kid, we all grew up with The Wizard of Oz, and we never kind of got, got a chance to really delve into these, the, their relationship uh, of, the two, of, the two, of the two witches and to see how, how human it is. And the music, oh my God. So I would say to people, if they have not seen Wicked, go see Wicked. In terms of other shows that I'm, I'm a big West Side Story fan, a fan of West Side Story, that's probably my favorite show of all time. I'm from Brooklyn, I don't wanna date myself, but the Brooklyn that I knew was very much like West Side Story. <laughs> and back in those days, you know, gangs didn't fight over drugs, they fought over turf. And people don't believe me when I tell them, but. In Brooklyn, there were a lot of ethnic gangs. <laughs> and they, you know, you had to be careful walking down this block. You better not make, go sidestep this block. That's what I grew up in. So in a, in a funny way, it's, all, it's heartwarming <laughs> to see the people I grew up with. <laughs> I know those guys. I grew up with them. They used to chase me out of the neighborhood. <laughs> if only they do it with dance instead of weapons, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> so it's a uh, West Side Story is probably my all-time favorite as a musical. I I'm with you right there. I love that show. What is your favorite part about working in the theater? My favorite part about working in the theater is definitely opening night. Because you work so hard. You go through trials and tribulations. You gotta raise money. You gotta, you gotta like struggle here and there, especially when you're off Broadway. I tell people, you know, I'm the producer and I'm also the janitor. So, and everything in between. So, so, so when you go through all of these struggles that people don't see, and, and that's fine because that's, it is what it is. But then you get to opening night and you see the production on stage and you see the audience reacting to it. And, oh, let, 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 let me switch that up. My favorite time is five minutes before opening curtain. That's my favorite time. The anticipation. When the actors are ready, the band is ready, I'm ready, the audience is ready. Curtain goes up and bam, there we go. And that's always been my, my, my absolute uh, favorite time. And I, I, my second favorite time would be, although it's bittersweet, is when we close and I get a chance to celebrate the cast, celebrate the musicians, and, and audiences, generally speaking, on closing night are very, very appreciative of the show you put on. And, and so those are my, actually my two favorite times, the opening, five minutes before opening, and, and the closing, when you actually get a chance to, to celebrate the cast that has you know, struggled with you through thick and thin for whatever, three, four months, whatever it took to what time it took to put the show together. Love that. That leads me to my favorite question to ask guests, which is what is your favorite theater memory? My absolute favorite 
theater memory was a surprise. We just come out of the, the last time we did this show, we did it after the pandemic. So prior to the pandemic, I was directing a show that was, that was supposed to go on a week after everything. It was scheduled to open a week before things, everything closed down. A week, I'm sorry, a week after everything closed down. So there we were with nothing to do. And then we did this show and the show is closed now. My show is closed, One in a Million Musical. And I come out and I thank the audience. And one of my cast members actually came forward and thanked me for giving him the opportunity post-pandemic to get back on stage and be in a show and how appreciative he was for, for, for my, my work, my effort. And that, I was not expecting that at all. And that was actually my, my, most, my, my, my favorite time in, in, in the theater. His, this cast member just stepping up and, and thanking me. Oh, that's so wonderful. What a great memory. Thank you so much for sharing that. Wow. Yeah, it, it brings, I get a little moist just thinking about it. <laughs> I love that. The, that right there. Yes, more stories like that of when we all finally got to get back together and just, oh, yes. Never again, hopefully. Hopefully never again. Knock hopefully one. never again. Are there any other projects or productions that you have coming on the pipeline we might be able to plug? Yes, we, yes, I do. I've got a show in London, actually. It's called Grayson Matters. And this show also has a, a strange history. We were an unfortunate history, pa pandemic history. We were scheduled to open this show at a theater called the Other Palace Theater, which is owned by Andrew Lloyd Webber, was owned by Andrew Lloyd Webber. And it's, it's kind of a developmental theater, but it's, it's for shows that are considered shows that could go to the West End or Broadway next. So it was a very exciting, exciting moment. Then the pandemic hit, right? Show gets closed down. Then Andrew Lloyd Webber sells the other palace theater. <laughs> so, <laughs> so not only did we not have the show there, but they had to refund ticket money for people. Long story short, let's fast forward. We are, we are, we are again talking with the new owners of the other palace theater. So we, we think we will be opening this show probably at the other palace theater, probably early 2024. We're not quite sure of, of a date yet. The name of that show, I think I mentioned is Grace and Matters. I'm actually the composer for that, for that particular show. But I also had a lot of input you know, into the script because it was a play at first and the book writer came to me and said, Kevin, do you think, I'm, I, I hear music, but I'm not sure. Take a look at it. I took a look at it and I said, you were correct. You know, there's a lot of music here. So let's kind of juggle the script, script a bit and show you where the music could, could fit in. So I did have a lot of input into that, but I'm not the book writer on that one. I'm the composer on that one. So that show is um, gonna be in, we think it's gonna be in London first. So there's really nothing, nothing I need to plug per se right this moment. But you have me on in a few months and <laughs> that may be a, a, at the forefront. Yes, yes. Going with that and leading to our final question, if our listeners want more information about One in a Million Musical or about you and your many, many projects coming, maybe they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do that? 
Okay. P folks, don't be shy. I love people. So here's how, here are a few ways you can reach me, right? Our website, which has a lot of general information on it, which is www.kevindavisproductions.org. Okay, that's the website. You can just, you know, look around there. There's also some music samples on there as well. Or you can email me directly, and this will get to me directly, one in a million musical three at gmail.com. One in a million musical spelled out, then the number three at gmail.com. Or you can even call me, guys. I'm, I'm, you can call me, right? I, I'm going to give, here's my number. Just give me a call. Say hi. I, I want to come see your show. Here's five bucks. <laughs> here's 10,000 bucks. <laughs> even better. My number, well, I can be reached 917-374-1556. 917-374-1556. I guarantee you, if you reach out to me, I would love to talk to you, find out what you're doing. Who knows? Maybe there's something we can work together. I'm a composer. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a book writer. I'm a musician. So lots of things, lots of, of ways we may be able to collaborate. I love all that. Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today about this incredible show and the fundraiser coming up and just everything you had to share today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I, this is a blast. This is a blast. Thank you. <laughs> My guest today has been the producer, director, composer, and book writer, Kevin Davis, whose show One in a Million Musical is having a fundraiser Friday, June 23rd from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the El Barrio Art Space. That's at 215 East 99th Street between 2nd and 3rd Avenue. You can RSVP for the event simply by emailing Kevin at one in a million musical three, that's the number three, at gmail.com. We're going to have this along with some contact information for Kevin posted on our episode description, as well as on our social media posts. But make sure that you are at this fundraiser on Friday, June 23rd, and supporting this great show, One in a Million Musical. And stay tuned to find out when the next premiere of the show will be. We'll definitely be there. We'll be covering it. So we will see you Friday, June 23rd at El Barrio Art Space for the fundraiser for One in a Million Musical. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez, reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. 
There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.